It's time for another episode of The Drop Podcast, recorded live at the spacious lineupmedia.fm studios in Edwardsville, Illinois. The Drop is an unbiased, in-depth hockey podcast dedicated to the St. Louis Blues and all the hot topics within the NHL. So tell the ref, you don't mind the game misconduct penalty. You are headed to the locker room anyway to listen to The Drop. Here's your host, Lance DeScott. Thanks for joining us for the Drop Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to Adam Grossi. Adam is the executive producer of the movie Ice Guardians, which came out several months ago. It's an in-depth look at uh, what outsiders from the hockey world like to call the goons, the enforcers of hockey. But I think Adam has tagged it very well in this movie. And he calls them Ice Guardians, which I agree that that's basically what they are. Adam, welcome to the Drop Podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. And you know, I've I've seen I've seen the movie, and it just takes such an in depth look at these guys, uh, former NHL players, AHL players, guys that have played in both leagues, and it shows them a side of them that I don't think any movie has shown before. I know. You know, we're very fortunate with that. As um, I mentioned before we started recording, you know, I went to high school with Scott Parker and. Todd Fedorik and became good friends with Eric Goddard and several of these guys. So I, you know, my team director, Brett Harvey and I really built a trust that I don't think most other producers had had, you know, when working with these guys. So we really got them to open up and share stories that they hadn't done before in a way that other producers didn't. And I think one of the big reasons is, is we didn't have a narrative that we were trying to push. Right. And being personal friends with these guys, you know, Parker and Fedorik and Goddard, I just said, guys, I just want to tell your story. What did you have to go through to make the NHL happen? Right. Tell me your story. Let's tell your. And if you'll notice when you watch the film, there's no narrative. Right. We don't have a narrator saying like guiding you through because to me and the director, Brett, that was what we always thought was a problem with every other thing we'd seen done on enforcers is clearly the producers had an objective that they wanted to push. And they had a narration that told you kind of what you should be looking for and the angle they were pushing. Whereas this, we let the guys tell the story. So you really got to see a side of them that you didn't normally see, which is, you know, I love hearing that comment from you and everybody else that keeps saying that. I mean, even some analysts and people that had worked within teams for years came up to us after the film were like, how did you get McGratton to talk so openly about his, you know, his addiction? And how did you get this guy to talk about like, because we asked the right questions. We finally said, what would you like people to get from an enforcer film? Sure. Right? And, and like the guys were like shocked. They're like, well, I've never been asked that before. Yeah. And I, I, so, I, I'd seen an interview with, uh, with, with um, um, Kelly Chase and talking about it months ago when it first premiered here in St. Louis. And he had said that he had talked to you and he had talked about maybe coming up with a script or, or, or something that you could follow. And you're like, no, 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 I don't want a script. I want these guys to be themselves and to talk about what they want to talk about. Exactly. And, you know, Kelly been approached before because Kelly is an amazing, like he, he has all the skills to be a producer outside of being a hockey player. You know, another big misconception of these guys. Very smart guy. Very smart guy. Super, super smart guy. And, you know, he has amazing relationships with everybody from Brett Hall to Wayne Gretzky to the tough guys. 
right? And something, if you're not a player that you can never, no matter how much respect or friendships I have, there's a, there's a camaraderie, especially amongst hockey. It's different than other sports that you just can't get. And once Kelly saw that we were going to let, as you've seen him say in many interviews, he's like, you know, I've been approached by many other producers to do films like this. And they always wanted to make me, you know, they wanted to flip it and do their own thing and make me and the team look stupid or push their own narratives. So he's like, when Adam came to me, I, he was very hesitant at first, but then we saw like, no, 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 I'm going to let you guys tell your story. And Kelly called in all the favors and Kelly really made this film. Like, I mean, he's the one that got Brett Hall and uh, Joey Kosher and Chris Chelios and Bobby Hall and Rick Tockett. I mean, he got all those guys involved. Right. To make sure like, hey, this guy's finally hearing our side of the story and letting us push the narrative and tell the narrative. You, you got to do it. And I mean, not one guy of all the amazing people interviewed in the film. Nobody asked for an appearance fee. Everybody said, no, I, I want to tell my story. I'll gladly do it. I hear great things from the team and from the players. I will come on board and do this. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I I have a unique perspective and I, I think some people out there do and other people don't. Some people um they look at hockey as a as a I guess you could say a barbarian sport and they've never given it a chance. They've never watched it live. But myself, you know, I've been watching hockey and loved it and played it since about nineteen seventy six. So I've seen the heyday of the Flyers when they would just, you know, go in and just start beating the crap out of people from the time the puck dropped. And I've seen it change with people, you know, like McSorley. He protected Gretzky, and then you had Twist and and uh, Kelly Chase that that, that that protected Brett Hall. You've got all these scores that if you ask them, and it, it's included in this movie, that if you ask these guys, would you have gotten where you got to in your career without, if you ask Gretzky McSorley, if you ask Hall without Twister or, with, or without uh, Chaser, they would all say no. They would not be the player that they ended up being. And you see guys such as Sidney Crosby today that don't have that. And look at how hurt they are all the time. Guys taking liberties by using their stick. Guys taking liberties by uh, just using their elbow into Crosby's head. How many concussions? And we've kind of seen it to where, you know, Gary Bettman comes in and he wants to change the way hockey's been. And in my mind, that doesn't really work i think you need these guys to to you know kind of be the ice guardians because i remember a story that was told that i believe it was by tony twist who he wasn't in the show but you know he's a pretty good enforcer we, we well we we have clips and stuff of him when yeah, we're you do. talking some yeah. other enforcers like who was their yeah. favorite and tony twist has talked about yeah yeah it's just just a great guy off the ice too and i remember him telling a story and this this sums up the way i feel about your movie and about the enforcer or about the ice guardian role the the police officer on ice is he would go before the game and I, I remember seeing this when I was a younger kid, and I, I never really paid too much attention to it a lot, but I would see him skate by the bench. I would see him skate in the center ice and warm up, so he'd be talking to people. And come to find out, he's telling him, hey, listen, you see 16 over there? If you take liberties with him, you're going to have to deal with me, maybe not immediately, but you're going to have to deal with me eventually. And that part of the game, people that don't understand it think that, you know, that they're, they're, they're fighting that there's no reason for it. But yet when the NHL tries to really, really ratchet it down and they come up with the instigator penalty and everything, what do we see? We see 
some of the biggest suspensions, uh, you know, since Gary Bettman took over in the 90s because he's trying to take out fighting. And I'm the guy that thinks you have to have these guys police each other because, you know, these sticks are, are, are dangerous. You know, the, the elbows are a lot, dangerous. A lot of interesting points you brought up there. Well, one that's very interesting going today and what's current today is that, you know, with this with this last couple of years and the enforcers really kind of being pushed out of the game or yes. winged out of the game or not getting deals, it is the first year that fighting has gone up in the league in about the last five to ten years. It actually went, it's actually up a little bit this year, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the analysts are looking, well, it's because now, you know, guys are taking more liberties, but other teammates that, you know, know the culture of this are jumping in and doing battles their own. I mean, you saw Carter the other day fight Kessler, yeah. right? Like, and Hey, Carter risked a concussion there, right? He took a hard shot and that's their best score. Not sure if you really want that kind of stuff happening. Right. So no. You know, but, you know, it's interesting when you bring up the Brett Hall moment, too, because in the film, he says, for your listeners that haven't, that haven't watched it yet, is he says, it, you know, because we asked him where that question came as we asked Brett, and we said, Brett, you know, do you think players like Gretzky would be the same players they would without somebody like McSorley or Semenko? And Brett Hall put it perfectly. And we only put a bit of it in the film. Sure. Uh, but he said, you know, I can't speak to Grex because, to, in my opinion, he's the greatest player in any sport ever period. He's like, but I can tell you one player that greatly benefited from having a tough guy. And that's me, Brett Hall. And then this is a clip in the film. He says, I would not have been able to score the 731 goals and become the second highest, you know, goal scorer of all time in hockey in NHL history without guys like Kelly Chase and Tony Twist having my back. I can tell you that right now. And you know, what's crazy about stuff like this is so, so Brett Hall's then been asked several times when he showed up with the red carpet premieres, like, is that, that's a really, really big statement. Is sure. that true? And Brett Hall says 100%. He says, you know, when they say someone's fight or flight, he's like, I am flight. I'm out of there before. He's like, he's like, my wife would kick my ass. You know, Brett Hall's got great time. He's got great charisma. But it's funny how even people will watch that and hear that and hear Brett say that. And then you have someone be like, well, I, I just don't believe that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what more you can do when someone, like when he's saying it himself, he then got asked by a journalist in the audience, like, wow, are you? And then he still says, yes, he's like, even more so. And he elaborates on it further where he says there was games when he was in Dallas and stuff and he didn't have a protector and he'd get two to three points and the game got really chippy and he would stop trying to get points for fear of what might happen to him or his teammates. Mm -hmm. Right. And what people don't get with that is, you know, the, the, the real people that are, you know, I'd say don't understand the game or, are looking at it from an outside perspective that say, well, just, you know, penalize anybody that does anything. It's like, but how do you penalize a guy for a clean hit? There's one last night in Phoenix. The guy got taken off on a stretcher. Yeah. Perfectly clean, clean hit. hit. Perfectly. Just, just perfectly clean hit, but it can still end your career. It can still give you a concussion or a traumatic brain injury that'll affect you for the rest of your life. And there's nothing you can do. In fact, as we point out in the film with the concussion specialist that we interviewed, Charles Tater is that, uh, you know, 95% of concussions come from body checks and the physical contact of the game and not fighting. Less than 5% comes from fighting. Although if you're a casual observer looking at the sport these days, you'd think that fighting is the biggest problem with the league. And yes, as Westgarth puts so greatly in the film, we should still be concerned and athletes should still be watching headshots and, you know, getting evaluations for concussions after fights. But it is not the main cause of concussions or injuries in the, in the sport. The main problem is the speed of the game. 
Yeah, so that's I, a much tougher. That's a much tougher thing to put back in the envelope and say, you know what? <laughs> We've actually made the game too fast. Putting it on a foreign surface, going 35 miles an hour, guys are 200 pounds, solid muscle. You know, skating with bigger equipment in an enclosed, boarded area. Yeah. <laughs> It's super dangerous, and they should probably slow it down. Bobby Orr has been talking a lot about this recently because there's no clutching and grabbing, and guys are going faster yep. than ever. But that's a much tougher argument to, to say, well, we need to slow things down because the body checks have turned into collisions. Sure, sure, and, and it's 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 a natural progression. Y- years ago, a big guy was six foot tall and 185 pounds. You know, in the 70s, yeah. if, you, if you were six foot and 185 pounds, you were big. Now all these guys are 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", and they're all 210, 220, 230, 240, and they all skate, like you said, 30, 35 miles an hour. You've got two you know, unmovable forces running into each other. You're going to have injuries. And speaking to what you said earlier, I don't think most people realize what the doctor said in there, and like you brought up, is that people think concussion, they think, oh, he got hit in the head. But that's not always true, as the as the doctor said. He, uh, he sees more concussions with people getting hit in the stomach, and it still yeah, rattles the brain. Yeah, people don't realize. Well, that's the big thing. What we learned. This is one of the great things you discover as a documentary filmmaker. We we're like, holy shit! I didn't know that, right? Like he when he does a demonstration with his hands yes. and trying to explain this for your listeners, where your thumbs are sitting up like in a thumb wrestler position, and if the two knock together chest to chest, but their heads cock back that'll still cause a concussion because what a concussion is, is when your brain has rotational motion within the skull. Yes. So anytime your head cocks and that's why car accidents cause them and everybody mm-hmm. thinks, well, I never hit my head on the dash or the steering wheel. So how did I have a concussion? No, like, you don't have to just the impact in your head snapping like a Pez dispenser caused your brain to hit the front of your skull and give you a concussion. And there's very interesting in it. We didn't find this out till after the film, but actually in women's hockey, which doesn't allow fighting or hitting, has the second highest NCAA concussion reports next to football, right? And they say, in, in fact, the way the study presents is that it actually has more, but they don't think that that is uh, correct because a lot of guys in football, because of the machiness, won't report their concussions, sure. or the females, like they all report their concussions. So they don't know, but they still said at that rate how alarmingly high it is. And that was fascinating to me. Being like, okay, with all the arguments you've heard about hockey and trying to make it safer, Women's hockey, and I know because my daughter plays, no hitting allowed and no fighting, yet the concussions are extremely high. Well, again, because you're running into the same problem. The game has become so fast, and in women, one of the problems when there's no no hitting, and I'm not suggesting there be hitting, (laughs) but when they're not ready for it, you know, they don't have to hit head on head. Two of them go shoulder to shoulder, and they're not expecting a collision because there's not to be any hitting, but there's incidental contact. Well, both of them's heads snap huge when they're going as fast as they are, and they both get concussed. Sure, and and with that with that kind of a movement, uh, you know, you've got the 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 brain moving and the skull back and forth bouncing off one side of the skull to another, and it that that stat that you just brought up doesn't really shock me, because uh, you know you your movie kind of goes into some other leagues that don't allow fighting, and I've done some research in some of those leagues that don't allow fighting. Not only are there more you know guys getting you know worked over, but there's concussions in those leagues too. You know, it, it, well, it, yeah, and that's and there's a ton. And as we said in the film, you know, there's no, there hasn't been a good like scientific analysis of it. But no. we had the one criminologist, um, Victoria, mm-hmm. uh, that talked about it because she followed a hockey team for the year there in the UK, which has very similar leagues to the NHL. Sure. And then she interviewed guys that had played in the Swedish elite leagues, and she said a 
almost all the guys that had come from the Swedish elite leagues to the UK league, which allows fighting felt safer in the league with the UK where they have an enforcer and fighting is allowed because they felt in the Swedish league, like they said, the sticks, elbows and shoulders to chins are off the charts because they're, they don't have, you know, the enforcement like the NHL. It's not as mainstream as the NHL. So they're not doing all these reviews. So a lot of guys are getting away with hits that, you know, are really hurting guys and there's really nothing that can be done. They're like, Oh, well, there's clean hits, open ice or shoulders a little high. So it's, a, it's an interesting debate. And I'm, I'm, I'm for your listeners. I'm not trying to sway one way or the other, but there's a, there's a, I can't remember who it was, but when we did the Toronto premiere, for me, I was a total fanboy. We had like 45 NHLers in the audience. We had wow. 13 legendary enforcers and Wendell Clark was there and never had you had so many enforcers in one room. And a guy put it so great that night. I just can't remember who it was, but he said, listen, he's like, I was equated to this, right? When you're driving down the street in your car and you see a cop car on the side of the road, what does every human being doing do? <laughs> well, we check to make sure our seatbelts on. We make sure we're going the speed limit. We look our over our shoulder. <laughs> we, we, you know, hopefully, but I'm sure a lot of people put their cell phone down. Like <laughs> they make sure they're doing everything correctly, sure. right? So that they don't get pulled over mm-hmm. and get an infraction. Well, the player, and this is a former player that said, this, said, that's how I felt when an enforcer was on. Is a lot of times he didn't have to fight. He didn't even have to play that much. But the threat of him being there made players be like, well, hey, if I'm going to put this guy on the boards, mm, McGratton's sitting on the bench. I'm not going to lift my elbow. I'm not going to charge. I'm just going to rub him off and make the play. Yeah. I'm not going to go do that. And I was like, that is a perfect way of doing is the threat that it could happen made players play cleaner. And I know Brian Mirzi, who played for the Colorado Avalanche, told me a story that night, too. He came up like in tears. He brought his two kids to see ice guarding and said, Adam, you have no idea the emotions this brought up and made me relive. He's like, it's totally bang on. He's like, I got a great story for you. He's like, when I was first playing, in the league, you know, and I'm this like third, fourth line grinder. I'm trying to get in. Wasn't an enforcer, just like a, you know, a, a journeyman player. And he's like, I'm trying to get noticed and I'm trying to get out there and I'm getting my short shift. So he's like, I go out there and I, I line up Peter Forsberg and I yard fail him. Uh-huh. He's like clean hit, like nothing dirty, but I just, I hit him perfect. And you know, helmet went flying and stick and everything else. And I was like, yes, he's like, I felt awesome. He's like, the coach is going to see that and want to, He's like, and I turned around and Chris Simon put his stick under my chin like a gun. And he goes, and he says to me, he goes, he's like, if you ever hit him like that again, I'll fucking kill you. I'd go to the bench. And he's like, and you know what? For the rest of my career, I never, never hit, hit Peter Forsberg like that again. Yeah. So he's like, if you think I'm one player that this happened to, you know, quite, you know, however many times we were playing that year, four to six times over the three, you know, five year career I had, the accumulation of damage that could have been done that was alleviated from Chris Simon having that one conversation with me. Being like, if you ever do this again, I'll fucking kill you. And he's like, I never did it again. That's all he had to do. I, I, I bet he didn't. Uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've played hockey and, you know, we both love hockey and we understand that, uh, these uh, enforcers are just part of the game that they have to be there. Why do you think uh, recently there's been just such this big push to get rid of fighting? I personally think it's because people don't fully understand the game. I'm hoping your movie kind of educates them a little bit, but why do you think most of these people now, including some NHL analysts who apparently have never played the game are now calling for less fighting, no fighting. What do you think is spurring that on? I know we've had more, you know, it seems like it, there's more stuff in the media, but then you've got Facebook and Twitter that puts everything out there. What is causing all this big push 
by NHL outsiders and some insiders that want to get rid of fighting? I think it's just accumulation of a lot of things, right? Sports um, evolving like all sports do. So they're, they're trying to find their place. And then, you know, society is always, they've always put a black mark on this, but I think now more than ever, because we have social media and because we have everything. And also we're seeing the long-term effects from playing contact sports, right? You're, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these enforcers have uh, traumatic brain injuries that, that they're suffering from. And fortunately, there's many that don't that have retired. You know, there's players that are going through that, too. That's something I want to make clear to your listeners. I mean, you know, Eric Lindros and Paul Korea, and these guys are going through it, too. And sure they're they fighters. So there's just there's that stuff going through that as well. So, you know, I think this, the, the scapegoat, which is kind of what we talk about in Ice Guardians, the easiest one to kind of say, well, here's what we're doing to alleviate or help correct the problems of the past is we're getting rid of this, right? Which is definitely something they should be cognizant of and looking at. And, you know, as a concussion specialist in the film talks about the biggest concern, you know, with guys that are continuing to play in the league that fight and play a physical game is that when you have a concussion that you take the appropriate time to heal, because that seems to be where the real significant damage comes is when you get one concussion and then you rush yourself and you get back in the game and you get another one. I mean, look, we, we thought a few years ago, Sidney Crosby's career was done in his mid twenties because he did that, right? He was misdiagnosed and he went back in. So I wouldn't say it's any one thing. I'd say, you know, the league's trying to, you know, obviously, you know, expand in markets that's new to it. So they're trying to remove that. And then, you know, now that we know the dangers of the game, they're the easy scapegoat, easy one to point the finger at is the enforcer. It's just the easy one to be like, he's everything that's wrong with hockey. If we get rid of that, the game will be perfect. But I'm interested to see, you know, even this year is a good example where you see that now you've got rid of them, but, I would, uh, I'll wait to see the stats at the end of the year, but I think concussions are right where they were previous years. It's not gone up. Like they don't seem to be going down anytime soon. You know, rookie star, rookie Paxter line, a missed a whole bunch of games with a severe concussion, Johnny Gaudreau, not a concussion, but got that slash and broke his hand and there's no penalty. And he was out like, you know, superstars, you know, Ty Domi was our Ty Domi's uh, son. uh, Max Domi Mm -hmm. was sick of his team getting liberties taken on. So he fought his own fight, broke his hand. So I really don't want to see that. I don't want to see superstars missing games because they're having now to defend themselves. And these open ice hits are terrifying. Um, So I I, I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's just accumulation of a lot of things. But I do think that definitely the scapegoat and the easy thing to say, well, look, we're trying to help players and do things for concussions. So we're getting rid of the enforcer and we're reducing fighting. But I think that misses a lot of stuff as you bring up an ice guardians, the equipment, the game being so fast. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing these open ice hits now. They seem to be They're like crazy. every two games, somebody's yeah. getting just steamrolled um, for these things. And then it's such a weird thing because you'll see the refs will call a penalty, even though it was a clean hit. And then the guy doesn't get suspended. And it's just like weird thing that's happening, you know, where they don't know how to deal with these hits. And, you know, I don't know, like if you really want to make the game safe and you really, really, really want to try to um, like reduce that number of concussions dramatically, you need to slow the game down. You need to reduce the padding and you even need to look at possibly reducing body checking, which then I don't know what kind of game you have. If that's, if that is the ultimate goal is to make the players as safe as possible. Those are some of the things that need to start coming into your argument, but those are much tougher argument to put in the bottle yeah so it, 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 it definitely enforcer. yeah it definitely is and i think one thing that would help and i'm sure you'd agree with me uh, since making this movie and and seeing all the stats of the last few years is 
these referees have to be consistent. It's like you said, one night, oh. one night a guy's in yeah. the open ice and another guy just takes his knee out and he's laying there and they call a two minute penalty. Then the next night, the guy, the, the, another guy does it on Man, another I don't, team. I don't even know. I asked the other day, what are the official rules? Because like same with hooking. Yeah. Like hooking. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what is a hook? You could call hooking probably 95% of the time. Oh yeah, it could be called. And like, there's games where I'm like, okay, like I, I confess to being an Oilers fan. I have been for years. Sure. It's nice to see them actually having success. It is nice to see Connor them McDavid, doing better. The guy gets hooked and molested like ridiculous oh, terribly, terribly. in games where, where I'm like, okay, is that a hook? Is it not? Because some games, like the slightest stick Touch. in a guy's yeah. arm is a hook, yeah. and then other games, it's like the guy's holding McDavid like a bear hug <laughs> and holding his jersey, and there's nothing. So nothing. I'm like. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, I, I literally asked the guy, I'm like, what is the actual rule definition for a hook? Because it varies so much from game to game that yeah. I don't really know what it is. Yeah. And he was like, good question. And, you know, bringing up Edmonton has been fascinating for me to watch with the recent release of ice guardians, because everyone in the city of Edmonton, like for those that haven't been here, it gets really cold and it's miserable. I've been it's there. A great and, place. Yeah. To- I've been there and I've actually been even North of that in grand Prairie. So I know how cold it gets. Yeah, so you know, so great, great place to raise your family, though. Like, yes, it like is. Good cost of living. Very and, nice people. You know, they Super got, nice people. Yeah, great schools, blue collar people. But when this city, when this, when the hockey team gets into the playoffs, honestly, like if you're a hockey fan, you should come and experience it because then all of a sudden this city is magical. It, it really is something special in this city when they make the playoffs. And something that, you know, the really good analysts that have been following for years have been talking about it, but it's been very overlooked. Everybody's been talking about Talbot and McDavid. Both have been playing fantastic. But something when all these years when the team was really in the basement and they were comparing it to the old Oilers with all the young talent, mm-hmm. but something a lot of people forgot, and Lumley brought this up where he said, yeah, he's like, something you guys make comparisons, but people forget how tough the old Oilers sure were and were. how teams feared playing them. Mm-hmm. You had Semenko, Nick Sorley, you know, McClellan, mm-hmm. Messier. You had a team, like when you came in, Clark Gillies talks about this in Ice Guardians and said, we didn't look forward to playing the Oilers. He's mm-hmm. like, and we definitely didn't go at Gretzky because then we knew we we're going to be dealing with a plethora. Yeah, Paul of Coffey, Semenko I mean, just story. a list of guys. Yeah, like of guys that you had to deal with. So the Oilers this year, part of the reason on top of the talent that they've had some success is they've added that toughness that has been missing for so long. Now you have Cassie and it's totally reinventing himself mm-hmm. as a first-round draft pick, this third-line grinder that fights when he needs to and finishes his checks and plays a gritty game. You got Patrick Maroon. Like, look, who would have guessed that guy's yeah. on pace to get 35 goals, right? You got Lucic. Yeah, Lucic. Hendricks. And then on the back, you got Darnell Nurse. You got Griba. Like, we don't, the Oilers don't get pushed around anymore. So McDavid has all this space mm-hmm. where he can feel. And look, after last year, he got hurt by Manning. And then Manning came out and said that was deliberate when he yanked on his jersey because he didn't want to get embarrassed. <laughs> Right. So these little things are like the, the dynamics is that these guys now there's a team and it's something we, we we've got. We've got some great bonus clips coming up. Vice Guardians right now great. We didn't make the film um, that will be releasing to promote the VOD release on March 7th. But um, there's a great clip that Zen and Kanopka brought up in the, in the, in the, and we, because in the film we talk about the human behavior yes. and the tribalism that goes into this, mm-hmm. into the dynamics of a hockey team. And Kanopka tells this great story but he was playing for Syracuse and they were at home and they were losing five, nothing. And he said to the team, he said, guys, he's like, you know, um, you know, he's like, we need to go down with a fight. This is embarrassing that we're just like 
you know, getting blown out. And he didn't mean like he didn't expect him to actually fight, but they did. They got into a, like a line brawl and like two or three lines fought. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, he's like, listen, he's like, I'm not promoting the fighting part. Although Kanopka was a very feisty guy. Of course like, he is. My point of bringing this point in this up, he's like, we then went on to break an AHL record. We won 20 games in a row and we ended up winning the Memorial Cup. He's like, and if you ask anybody on that team, what was it that finally brought the team together and helped us go on that winning streak? It was the big brawl that we had that night when we were losing at home, where teammates stuck up for each other and saw, hey, this guy's willing to bleed for me. This guy's willing to do this for the betterment of the team. And there's something to be said, and you've seen, there's other times you can pinpoint this where a line brawl happens and a team goes on a winning streak. There's nothing that brings a team together you know, that's as close when we're going back to human instincts is going to war sure. with each other. We are like, okay, this is a special group of guys. Like even a superstar is dropping the gloves because he's had it and he's not going to let someone get picked on, on our team and stick up. And there's something special about that, that unites people together. And again, that's something that's often lost when we're pointing figures at the right or wrong of an enforcer that I think Br- director Brett Harvey nails in the film, that he really talks. And, you know, we get those great clips of these guys, everybody's standing up and how they're patting them and how they're, how these guys are, you know, looked at and respected by their peers. If people really saw, which we try to show in ice guardian. And I know we had a lot of people where they were really anti-fighting that watched ice guardians. And I'm not going to say they came out and were raw, raw pro fighting, but they did have a much better understanding of these guys and what they meant to their team. You know, and that's something, I mean, you look at it to this day, Brett Hall and Kelly Chase are best friends. Sure they They've are. been groomsmen at each other's yeah. wedding from the relationship that they built yeah. on the thing. You look at Semenko and Gretzky to this day and McSorley and Gretzky. He always makes sure that he comes and shakes Semenko's hand and has a special <laughs> place for him. Those guys have a very special place on the team. And with all the teammates they played with over the years, why do you think it is that they have a special bond? Gino Olchek and Pavel Burris sure. have a super special bond. Right, and they played with dozens of players on different teams. They don't have that. Even teams that they won cups with other guys, they don't have that same bond, right? So that's something people need to look at. Why is that, right? And that was something we discovered making the film. It was fascinating to see how that element really builds a bond and a connection that is very often mislooked or overlooked by people outside of the dressing room. Yeah, it 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 really is, and you guys really took an in-depth look into this. And like I said, at the beginning of the interview, I, you know, I'm a hockey fan. I think, I think fighting belongs in hockey. I think it helps hockey. It uh, polices uh, these guys. They know what liberties they can take. They know what liberties they can't take. They know if they do take a liberty, they know what's coming to them. And, and I've, I've always been one of those guys that thought it belongs in it. I've had discussions on my show with people that say it's barbaric, it's goonish, so on and so forth. Well, you know, I, I've I've never told somebody they're wrong. If that's their opinion and they don't want a game of hockey with fighting, that's their opinion. I think hockey... I, 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 I agree. People are... I think Kelly Chase puts that perfectly in the film when he says, and they're right to have their opinion. Sure. He's like, that's great. He's like, he's like, but then he goes on that part where he goes, he's like, I think I know what it's like to win a Stanley Cup. I think I do, but I don't really know no. because I never won it. Right. He's like, I think I know. He's like, so you can't tell me, you know, that you know what it's like to be in a fight or what that relationship mm-hmm. is between an enforcer and his team, because you haven't really been there. He's like, if you've been there and you lived it, then you can tell me how it is. Yeah, it, But it, if you it, haven't, it, it, you it, can't tell it, me just like, I can't tell you what it's like to win a Stanley sure, Cup. Sure. 
And, and, and Wendell Clark, there's there, there's a sorry to that's all right. To, go ahead. Uh, I, I, just before I forget, there's no, a great. We have a we have a bonus clip coming out with Wendell Clark awesome. right now. I just we've got like nineteen twenty of these great clips that just it couldn't fit in the film, but they're great. They're the DVD extra features and to promote our VOD launch. But Wendell puts it so perfectly where he says, "I never looked at fighting as that violent." And I remember when I was interviewing him, like, we're not allowed to talk. I'm thinking, like, well, it's definitely violent. He goes, here's what I mean. He's like, if two grown adults make an agreement to fight and we drop the gloves, we're agreeing to that level of violence, right? He's like, Mm -hmm. if I'm skating up ice and I'm watching my pass too long or I have my head down and you hit me with a clean hit, nothing dirty, non-suspendable, he's like, I didn't agree to that level of violence, but many people will say that level of violence is acceptable and they love a good clean hit. Mm-hmm. He's like, yet fighting is too violent. He's like, but coming from a player standpoint, I find that hit much more violent than me willingly dropping the gloves with another combatant. Sure. Perfect. And that's perfect something that quote. stuck with me in a perfect way. Being like, here you go. You have one of the best power forwards of all time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, cause I know I've had that conversation like, ah, I don't really like the fighting. I'm, but I love a good clean hit. And I always well, mention to people, I'm like, that's, I, I can see where you like that. But I was like, just so you know, most of the players think that that hit is much more barbaric mm-hmm. than them being willingly dropping the gloves with another combatant. And usually when presented that way, people are like, wow, I never really thought about it that way. I'm like, so the same thing that, you know, often people that debate say, well, you are, you know, barbaric for enjoying this level of violence and the, I've the, heard the, that. the sacrifice these players do and everything else. So are you if you enjoy body checks, because that would be assault on the street. Mm -hmm. And the players, we interviewed 45 professional players for Ice Guardians. All of them thought that that was more violent than willingly dropping the gloves. Brett Hall says he cringes today when he watches the game, when he sees that the wingers can no longer hold up the guy coming, chasing the defenseman and them getting plastered into the glass. Mm -hmm. Cringes. So... It was a very interesting, again, as a documentary filmmaker, it's the discovery and finding these things. It was fascinating to us, like just fascinating to hear it from that side because we'd never seen it from that perspective, never played it to that level, didn't understand it. You know, and whether you agree with fighting or hate fighting, I promise you, if you watch Ice Guardians, it will really give you a better understanding of who these guys are because that's ultimately been the goal of Ice Guardians. It's not here to promote fighting. It's not here to, you know, put a, you know, to bash it either. It's just here to honor the guys that did it to make their NHL dreams come true. Because whether one agrees with fighting or not, the thing that cannot be argued is that it's a huge part of hockey's history. And the guys that played that role and contributed to hockey's history need to be remembered just like every other player that helped contribute to hockey's history. That's, uh, that's, ex- that's exactly right. Because as uh, many players stated, without those guys there would be no cups for, for Brett Hall. There would be probably no cups for Wayne Gretzky. There would be no cups for other players through the history of the NHL. And I think when people start to realize that, that, Hey, uh, these ice guardians, these ice police have a place and they belong in the game and we need them in the game. I, I think the game becomes more enjoyable with that because you understand the game more. Yeah. It's, 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 um, you know, an interesting thing. And just, you know, again, like agreeing with their place in hockey history is like, I'm a perfect example of someone that came to the sport because 
of the underdog aspect of what these guys mm-hmm. brought, that passion, that commitment, that willingness to do whatever it takes. And now you're like, I have my daughter in hockey and I, I, I watch hockey, not just for the enforcers, but they're who brought me to the game. So their story needs to be told just like everybody else's. And it needs to be told from their perspective and their words, not a journalist or a producer putting words in their mouths and flipping it to push their own narratives. That was the big thing that director Brett Harvey and myself really wanted to make sure that the players love the still. And if they loved it, then we knew the fans would appreciate it. And that's been the biggest compliment for us is that the players absolutely love it. We've gotten texts and everything else. And, you know, emotional messages from these guys saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for finally telling our story correctly. I mean, to us, the film has already won an Oscar. We've received two or three comments like this that you just, you don't even dream of as a filmmaker, but when you receive it, it is the ultimate reward is players who played their whole career and had family friends from the time they were young, finally understand their role after watching, Mm -hmm. you know, an hour and a half movie. Kevin Westgar's wife told me that one of his childhood friends from 10 years old said he watched the movie, gave Westgar a hug and said, I finally understand that's great your role that's... like and, and like megan was in tears she was like i can't believe this like he's been our wedding he's a good friend like <laughs> he knows kevin and it took your movie for him to get it todd fedoric another dear friend of mine from high school sent me this really emotional text just saying adam my family and kids and my wife loved it and they finally like totally understand my role he's like i cannot put into words what that means to me as a father that your movie helped do that for me that's just and then one more great. with kelly kelly chase had a friend of his from saskatoon yeah a woman that came up in tears and gave him a hug and he's like kelly i've always been proud of you what you've accomplished in the game and you know what you were able to do with your pro hockey but i never agreed with your fighting and i hated to watch it she's like i now finally understand why you did what you did like, you know, congratulations on the movie and congratulations on your career. So for these guys, for them to get that kind of response, they're like, you can do no better. So for us, you know, no matter what critics say, even though the critics have, we've got some really good reviews, probably the best review project I've ever worked on. Um, it just, we know we've already won the Oscar because we've honored the story correctly of the guys that it's about. Well, uh, I tell you what, when it first came out, I didn't, I wasn't able to see it at the St. Louis premiere, but I did text a lot of people and email a lot of people and told uh, them to, to go out and see it if they could. And in, uh, in my show, I mentioned it to people. And now that I've seen it, I don't think you guys could have done a better job getting into the minds of, of the ice guardians, as you call them, and really understanding how they fit in the game, how they feel they fit in the game how stars of the game feel that these guys, you know, definitely have a part in the game. It's a great, great movie. I encourage everyone to get out there and watch it. The website is iceguardians.com. And when is that VOD release coming up, Adam Grossi? Yep, March 7th. So it'll be available in the U.S. and internationally. The only place it won't be is Canada because Super Channel owns the exclusive rights in Canada. Yep. But pretty much worldwide, it'll be available on iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, all and cable sites, Xfinity, DirecTV in the U.S. It'll be available on almost all VOD platforms come March 7th. That's great. And also, um, you said that you're going to be adding some extra clips. How many extra clips are going to be in the VOD There's, release? So the VOD, I 
this is one of the things I'm saying. I don't think that happened. I think only the DVD has okay. them, but we'll be releasing them online. Okay. Um, so within the next couple of weeks, you'll see most of them released on hockey fights, but there's 19 bonus clips, it's half an hour. And then there's also these fun little clips. We did five questions for fighting where it's kind of a gamut of several of the guys saying, what was your favorite penalty box? Sure. What celebrity do you most look alike? Just fun little clips with some of your favorite enforcers talking about stuff. But then there's there's 19 clips um, of guys telling really cool stories that just couldn't fit the film. Those will start releasing uh, any day. I think in the next couple of days they'll start releasing. Um, but we'll be online and mostly on HockeyFights.com. You'll see them. Where's the bless, Where's the best place to get it on DVD? On DVD, the DVD won't release until April or May because we're doing this all ourselves. Sure. So it will be, but it'll be on Amazon. We'll be making a thousand copies okay. um, and seeing how that goes. Cause you know, physical is kind of dead, but we've had so many people ask for DVD and what we've kind of realized about the hockey market, unlike many other movies <laughs> is that, you know, the hockey market is more loyal. They don't download and stuff as much. And they're the kind of people that wants to put this film in their hockey memorabilia and get it, it yeah. signed by their favorite tough guy. Sure. So we, we, you know, despite with the industry, you know, the industry nowadays, unless it's a giant movie, doesn't really do physical DVDs, but we have, yeah, we've got a thousand getting made and then a thousand Blu-rays, but they'll be up on Amazon in April or May. That is. So then it'll just be first come, first serve. And then if they, if they go through enough, then we'll make another batch and continue to make them. But we have Amazon handle all that stuff. So it's not like me in my office shipping them daily and stuff like that. It'd be too much to handle. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I, and like I said earlier, you guys have really nailed it with us. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to encourage everybody to watch it. And uh, right around April, I'll mention again to my uh, fans of my show uh, that they can be able to get it on DVD. But when uh, it comes out on video on demand, I'll also keep uh, mentioning it for you. It's been so nice to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. Hopefully we can catch up again. And, hey, maybe for another good idea for a movie, I was a goalie growing up. So maybe yep. maybe you could do one about the goalies because they say uh, us goalies are kind of strange. So maybe you could do a... <laughs> You're the only player that's on the ice for 60 minutes. That's exactly right. And the only one that enjoys having a little rubber puck shot at them at 80 to 100 miles an hour. So... Well, well, interesting that you say that because there's a Grant Fear project circling right now that has been brought to my attention. So we're looking at that and seeing if that can get brought to life. Um, but uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's my pleasure. Um, as I'm sure you and your audience can hear from the passion in my voice, this movie is its not just another credit on my producer reel. This one's very special. These guys are very dear friends of mine, and it's truly been an honor to be able to tell their story the way they want it and get a piece out there that they can all be proud of and feel like it's theirs. Well, I definitely think you should be proud of it. Um, I'm going to keep it and get it myself. So, uh, until next time, Adam, that was Adam Grossi, the executive producer of uh, the movie Ice Gardens. Thanks again, Adam. Have a nice day. You too. That is all the time we have for this special edition of the Drop Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Adam Gorsey. By all means, when this comes out on video demand, when it comes out on uh, DVD in uh, April or May, get it, guys, because it really goes in depth and the uh, the role of the enforcer, or as he calls them, the ice guardians of the NHL. This has been the Drop Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe or download this episode and past episode on iTunes, ShoutEngine.com, and Stitcher.com. You can follow us on Twitter at OfficialTheDrop. 
For more information about lineupmedia.fm or the Drop Podcast, email us at info at lineupmediagroup.com or at the official drop at gmail.com. 